We're going to continue today with this really important topic of walking worthy. But before we start on walking worthy, I want to tell you a story about a little boy. His name was George and he was still in primary school. He was only about year six or year seven and he'd never seen his uncle preach and he'd heard all about this amazing stories about his uncle who was just a fantastic preacher. He so was looking forward to hearing him because all his days he heard these wonderful stories and the day finally came. He got to go to church. This is the first time he got to go to church and he got to hear his uncle preach. And do you know his uncle preached this very familiar story to us, the story of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. It's a familiar story to most of us. We've heard it before. We've read it before. We responded to that beautiful message, the gospel message. And as this young boy sat in this church, the tears started rolling down his cheeks because this was the first time he'd ever heard this wonderful, powerful message of the gospel. And, you know, he started to sob. And what he noticed is people started looking at him like he was some kind of freak. Why are you crying? Their faces seemed to say to him. What's wrong with you? And, you know, afterwards, that little boy, George, do you know, he was upset. He was upset that they looked at him And they tended to put him down with their looks. But you know what upset him even more? That this powerful message of the crucifixion and the resurrection, he couldn't believe that people would sit there as if it was empty words, as if it was just a story. They'd heard it before. He was so upset to think their reaction was one of boredom, complacency. It's like, how can they sit there when I've just heard the words of life? This young boy can teach us a really powerful lesson. That we are so privileged to know this beautiful, powerful story of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. May we never get complacent about the gospel. May we never get bored with this story because this gives you and I life today and into eternity. This is a powerful message we have. And do you know what? There's so many people that haven't heard it yet. Maybe we need to stop and recount this story in our mind. Pick up God's word and say, show me again the power of the resurrection. I haven't thought about the resurrection. Tell me again about the resurrection, Lord Jesus. Tell me again what that means for me. Tell me again what you've done for me. Tell me again the story that you want me to tell. Because these are words of life. These are full words. 
Let's not put them over there with some of the fables and myths and ideas that we've heard again and again and we're bored by them because we've heard them before. This is a story of life. Let us never, ever pick it up and throw it away as if it's boring. Let us never be complacent because we're not meant to walk empty. We're meant to walk full and we're full of him. But it's only because of what he did for us. We can walk full. We have a life beyond the everyday, the mundane, the routine, the life on this earth. We have so much more. Let us be so excited and yearning and wanting to know more about the power that we have, the power of Jesus in our lives, the power that we have when we walk full. So let's continue on with Ephesians. Let's look at the key verse for today, which is Ephesians 5, verses 5 and 6. Read this with me. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a person is an adulterer, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. So let's look at these words again because James says we're meant to look intently into the word of God like a mirror. We're meant to look into the word of God and say, what does this tell me about me? What does this reveal about me? Not what I think it reveals about somebody else so I can tell them. What does this reveal about me when I read these words? So let's go back slowly this time. This is it, this scripture that we're reading and we we often use the NIV, the um, New International Version of the Bible. And the NIV uses the word immoral. But there's another version of the Bible, the King James, the King James Version. And it was interesting that Kath was telling me the other day that when she was a teenager, she only learnt these scriptures not in the New King James Version but in the original King James, not that she's that old, but it's the King James Version that actually gives us another way of understanding God's word. So if we want God's word to dwell in us richly, if we want the word of God to actually mean something to us, if we want to eat God's word and ingest God's word, a really good way to do that is to look at different versions. So the NIV says, of this you can be sure, no immoral. King James says, whoremonger. There's a whole lot more in whoremonger than immoral, don't you think? Whoremonger. We don't even say the word whore in church. It's like, ooh. But the King James says whoremonger. And what's a whoremonger? You know, that's someone who indulges in unlawful sex. It's sex outside of marriage. So when we read this, no immoral, impure or greedy person, oh, gee, I'm glad that's not me. that's all those bad people over there. Stop and slow it down. God is saying, look in here. If you're engaging in anything, in any sex outside of marriage, God says, I'm going to put my finger onto you. And moreover, young people, if you even think that this is a good idea, stop. God's word is telling you, stop. Everyone else is doing it. Stop. God is saying no immoral 
person has got any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. We've got to understand how important this is. See, the world thinks it's just sex. God says, no, this makes you immoral. What about impure? Can we read impure and go, nah, that's not me? Well, let's have a look. The King James says unclean. And you know, Jesus wasn't wanting us to be so concerned about how clean we look on the outside. He said, no, I don't want clean hands. I want a clean heart. He says, I want you to be clean on the inside. That's what makes you pure. That's what makes you clean. So let's just look at one very confronting test for impurity. So if we're reading through that and going, yeah, yeah, that's all those people over there. Jesus is telling us he wants us to be pure on the inside. That's what matters, not on the outside. I want you to stop and I want you to rerun in your head from the time you woke up this morning. So just stop and remember when you first opened your eyes, you might have looked at the clock, you might have thought, ooh, it's cold, I'll pull that doona up. I want you to go back there in your mind when you first woke up this morning in bed. Then I want you to travel through what you thought and what you did to get ready to come to church today. How many thoughts and how many actions were in relation to how we look on the outside? How many thoughts, how many words were directed at, I just want to be so pure for Jesus on the inside? Are we thinking about being pure on the inside or are we thinking about looking good on the outside? Jesus tells us our priorities. He's interested in the inside purity. What about greedy person? King James says covetous. This word means one who's eager to have more, especially what belongs to others. All those greedy people over there, I'd never be greedy. Wanting to have what others have and wanting to have more. So when we're driving to church this morning, do we look out the window and look at somebody's house and think, oh, I think I want a house like that? Do we look out the window and look at somebody with a brand new leather jacket and say, oh, I wish I had one of them? Did we look at somebody this morning and say, oh, I wish I was more like them? Where is our head? You see, this word greedy, this covetous word, we've got to stop. We've got to say every single thought Jesus is interested in. He wants us to slow down and say every thought is important to him. Every word we listen to is important. Every word we speak is important. Has it got anything to do with being immoral, impure or greedy? We've got to rip it out. We've got to dump it. We've got to take it off. They're empty. We've got to replace it with the fullness of Jesus. Because you see, any of these things label someone as an adulterer. An idolater is somebody who worships anything or anybody else other than God. You're putting something else above God. And you know, we think of an idolater as someone who worships statues, graven images, and that's true. But you know, in today's society, it doesn't just include those things. When I looked up the word idol, guess what I found? It also means heroes. Who's your hero? Have you got a hero that's more important than Jesus? A pin-up. Do we pin up posters on our walls of people and look at people and think about people more than Jesus? Who 
are our stars? What's our obsessions? Who are our favorite people? Jesus is saying, it's got to be me first. That's how I can keep you safe. But how do we do this? How do we end up worshipping things and other people other than God? He tells us, he says, we get there because we listen to empty words which deceive us. You see, this word deceive, and it's in both the NIV and, and the King James, it means to mislead, to be tricked, to be conned, to be misinformed, to be lied to. And, you know, we're getting a lot of that. In fact, it's a constant stream into our minds. And when I look at the Greek word, listen to the importance of this. Understand the importance of deception. It says, belittling the true character of the sins mentioned. That's the word in this verse. And that's the Greek meaning in this verse. Listen again. It means belittling the true character of the sins mentioned. It's saying, don't worry about sex outside of marriage. Don't worry about being greedy. That's not so important, really. In fact, it's not such a big deal. Everyone's doing it. You've got to be ambitious. You've got to want more. You've got to want lots of money. You've got to have the big house. You've got to have the expensive car. You've got to have the good looks. You've got to be size six. It's belittling those sins. We hear it all the time. We just sort of listen to it as if it's just normal. We're being deceived. We're being deceived because the world is belittling those sins as if evil is good and good is evil. We've got to understand we're being tricked into thinking that it doesn't matter if you have sex outside of marriage. We're being deceived to think that greed and wanting more and more and more is no big deal. It's a big deal to God. We're being deceived into thinking that it, this big sin is being belittled. It's not little. God says it's big. We've got to understand that these empty words are deceiving us. These empty words are hollow. They're pointless. They're futile. And you know the King James says, instead of saying don't be deceived with empty words, it says don't be deceived with vain words. Now, in today's kind of chit-chatter conversation, if we use the word vain, we might maybe describe a lady who, every time she walks past a mirror, oh, I just can't get enough. I've just got to primp myself a little bit more. Oh, there's another mirror, that idea of vanity. But the word vain here, it means vain is empty, hollow, nothing. It's got nothing in it. We're being deceived by these words where there's nothing in it. There's no life in these words that we're hearing from the world. But we're letting them deceive us. We're letting them in. I want to give you an illustration of this idea that that vanity also means the absence of something that may could already be possessed. It's this idea that if we're absent, if we're empty, if we're taking in empty words then we're actually missing out on something that we're meant to possess. We're actually taking empty words and being empty instead of taking full words which we could possess. I want to tell you a little, a, a little quote from a speech. And this is from in the early days of World War II. And King George of England, he delivered a, a radio address because that's all I had then, just radios. And he recited these few lines of poetry. Listen to the words in this poetry. And I said to a man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light 
that I may tread safely into the unknown? And he replied, Go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than the known way. You see, empty words offer us this. They say, if you're going to go out in the dark, you need a torch. Because, see, you get to control when you turn the torch on, where you direct the torch, and when you turn the torch off. We want it in our hot little hands. We love the idea that Jesus is our saviour, but our Lord who has to tell us where to go and what to do and when to jump and when not to jump. Oh, no, 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 no. I like the idea of you saving me on the cross and giving me life, but the idea of you controlling and telling me which step to take and where and when, it's just like Heather said. He directs our steps, but not if we've decided, oh, the world's offering me a torch. Oh, it's got this tiny little light. I can see this tiny little bit, and that's all I can see. Not that I can see everything else around me. I can see this tiny little light, but I'm in control of the light. Oh, I feel so much safer in the darkness because I'm in control of the light. But you know what happens to a torch? When you grab it in the middle of the night, when you're camping, the battery goes dead. You see, it ends up being empty. The promises of the world are empty. They deceive you. They're telling you this is what you need in the dark. But you know, it's only temporary at best. It's superficial at best. It's no safe haven. That's exactly what these words are saying here. Give me a light. May I tread safely? I want a light I can be in control of. You don't need a light. You need God. It's God's word. It's God's word that's going to show you how to keep safe and what steps to take. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We need his word in this dark, dark place. Don't believe the empty words and don't take a torch. It'll let you down. You need the light of God. He gives you 360 degree vision and he's always on. We just got to put him on. Don't take the torch. It's deceptive. It's faulty. It'll let you down. We're going to take Jesus' light. You know, it's walking through the darkness by faith, not by sight of this tiny little torch. Isaiah 42, 16 to 17 says, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. But those who trust in idols, who say to images, you are our gods, will be turned back in utter shame. You see, he's there. His word promises it. He tells us, I'm there for you. I will not forsake you. I'll tell you every step to take. Don't be deceived by the empty words. I have the words of life. We've got to say no to the rubbish. We've got to say no to the empty words. Problem is we don't know they're empty because we're deceived. We're tricked. We're conned. We think that's life, having a party, looking good on the outside, getting possessions, having pleasure, having wealth. It's just a torch that's going to go out. It may be fun for a while. But it won't last. So we've got to be careful that no one deceives us with empty words. We don't want to be destitute of something we're meant to possess. We're meant to possess spiritual wealth. 
We're meant to possess him. So instead of being deceived by empty words, instead be filled with the spirit, Ephesians says, just a few verses on. Here's the solution for us. If we find ourselves trapped, if we find ourselves deceived, if you find yourself tricked, if you find yourself in caught in those emotions that are telling you you're nothing, it's never going to happen, Jesus is on the other side of the boxing ring, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Singing it out makes a difference. Talking to each other with the word of God makes a difference. It fills you when you speak the word of God out to each other. It fills you when you speak out the word of God to yourself. We've got to understand the power of God's word. It's not just a book and it's not just a boring story and it's not just a familiar story. There is power in the word of God. There is power in the resurrection. Why is it we just kind of blindly look at it like I've heard it all before? These words are full of life. They're going to help you overcome every attack of the enemy. And that's happening every single day. This deceptive, empty words are hitting you through every medium that can possibly get to you. You've got to be filled with the Spirit so that you're not deceived with those empty words. They're going to drag you. They're going to entice your flesh. They're going to want you to have pleasure. They're going to want you to have materialism. They're going to want you to have more money as if that's going to give you life. It's not. It's deceptive. It's empty. We're being tricked. Wake up. We've all got to wake up. I'm telling me to wake up too. So let's have a look because Jeremiah tells us exactly the same thing and Solomon tells us exactly the same thing. Let's look at what Jeremiah says. So this is a different version. This is the New American Standard Bible. Jeremiah says, Thus says the Lord, What injustice did your fathers find in me, that they went far from me and walked after emptiness and became empty? This this convicts me to the core. It says if we listen to empty words, we're going to have an empty walk and then watch that word become. Do you know what? If I listen to empty words in my head, if if I read empty words... I'm going to have an empty walk, not a worthy walk. But you know the worst part? I become empty. I've got nothing. I'm empty inside. I've got nothing to offer anybody else if I'm empty, let alone myself. I'm empty. The empty words mean an empty walk, which means I become empty. I've got an empty life. What does it say in a different version? What does NIV say? NIV says, this is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. It's the same thing. We're listening to worthless words. We're walking a worthless walk. And in the process, every single step we take away from God, we become worthless ourselves no wonder we feel worthless no wonder people are feeling like life has no meaning life has no purpose we stray so far from him we get deceived with the worthless words and we end up becoming worthless it's really sinister because this happens slowly it doesn't hit you it's not like the devil says here i am to give you worthless words If he did, we'd probably say, oh, we don't want that. 
But what he says is, here's some pleasure. Here's some fun. Here's some good times. You're going to feel good looking like this. You're going to feel good buying this. You're going to feel good if you just do this and this and this. And if you just spend more time at work and if you just buy these clothes and if you just have this house and if you just concentrate on all these things that everyone else around you is concentrating on because you're going to look good and that's going to give you life. That's what he says. And we gobble it up. We believe it. We get deceived and we get tricked thinking it's all about how good I look in the mirror in the morning or how good my house is looking or how good my kids are looking or how important I am or how smart I sound to everybody else. We're being deceived. It's empty. It's a torch. The battery's going to go out. We've got to chuck it. Let's look at one more version. King James. Thus saith the Lord. What iniquity have your fathers found in me that they are gone far from me and have walked after vanity, and I'll become vain. Vain words leads to a vain walk, leads to a vain person and a vain life. It's the same message. You see, we've got to watch the words we're listening to. Do we understand the power behind the words we're listening to? Do we understand the great danger we're in when we don't listen to God's word. They're words of life. They will fill you till you're overflowing. All right. We want to um, now look in our Bibles at someone that tells us something about emptiness and an empty life, and that's Solomon. So let's open our Bibles at Ecclesiastes. So Ecclesiastes is in the Old Testament, and I think it goes... um, Is it Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, or is it Song of Songs, but just after Proverbs? So get to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 2. So as you're doing that, I'll just tell you a little bit about this. So this is Solomon. So remember Solomon asked God for wisdom. So he was the guy that had more wisdom than anybody else. And do you know, even Solomon got deceived by the empty words of pleasure and materialism. Even the most wise one got deceived. Now, this happened almost 3,000 years ago. So, Michael, I was talking to you about an old book the other day. Wherever you are, Michael, I can't find you. There you are. Do you remember we were talking about the old books that you read at school? And I was, you were saying, oh, you know, I'm saying, you know, I need to be reading. I'm trying to encourage people to read, 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 read. And are you reading, Michael? I come and haunt you every Sunday and say, are you reading? Are you reading? You kind of run away, don't you, when you see me coming? Because you know I'm going to ask, are you reading? Then he tells me, oh, this book is so old from school. And then I said, oh, really? And then I said, guess what? James's book, I reckon it's older than that. It was published in 1962. His English book that he has to read for school. Whoa, I thought mine was old. 1962, that's so old. Guess what? This is even older. This is 3,000 years old. But there is wisdom and there is truth in these words. Just because they're old doesn't mean that somehow they lose power. We don't have to be new. It's another deception. It has to be new to be right. Okay, let's have a look at what Solomon says. Now, notice that he got tricked. He tried to fill his heart with pleasure and wealth and worldly success. And I want you to look carefully at the outcome. So Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 1. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? 
I tried shearing myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labour and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet... When I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Nothing was gained under the sun. You see, just like Solomon, we're looking for things under the sun in this world, on this earth. But you know what? Meaning and purpose and a full life doesn't come from what's under the sun. It comes from in the sun, in the sun of God. He has it all for us. We're looking for it over here under the sun and he's right there all the time. It's in the sun. It's in the sun of God we've got to go. But you know that same problem written about 3,000 years ago is just as relevant today. Because you see, it's the flesh that's seeking pleasure, that's seeking wealth, that's seeking success. So what I want to look at is I want you to think about how this looks today. What is the world saying we should strive for today, which will satisfy us, which will satisfy us from under the sun? What are some of the empty words you've heard that promise fulfillment but leave you empty? So we're going to have a very short forum today, just like 10 or 15 minutes. And I want you to think about how this sounds and looks today. Maybe think about what you hear blasting out of your radios and TVs and on the internet. I mean, the one that comes to mind straight away for me is Coke Ads Life. You want some life? You're going to want to have a party? You want to have fun? Just buy the can of Coke. They're not saying, we want to make lots of money. We don't care what this does to the lining of your stomach, but we're going to make money by a can of this. No. They say, Coke Ads Life. Do you want life? Buy this. You'll have all those friends that you see on the ad and you'll feel so satisfied. It will be fantastic. But what happens? We're left empty. They're empty words. That's what I want you to think about. So, James, can you grab a mic? And can you... Mark's already got a mic, so we've got two people with mics. Very quickly, rules of forum. You must wait till you get a microphone. 
So to get a microphone, you have to put your hand up. So don't yell out. We want this to be orderly. So if you want to say something fantastic, we want to hear your ideas. Put your hand up. Someone will come to you with a mic. Then once I give you the go-ahead, go for it. We really want to hear your ideas. But keep in mind, if you've already said something, I probably won't choose you again because we want as many people as possible to participate. Now, normally at the beginning of the forum, no one wants to go first, and that's fine. But you need to understand that by about 10 minutes, I'm going to start winding this up, and if you start getting all hot and bothered like you've got something to say, I'm probably going to say too late. So I'm warning you now, I'm probably going to say too late after 10 minutes. So if you've got something to say, get your hand up. <laughs> we want to hear you. We want to hear what are the empty words that you hear through the radio, through the television. What do you hear people saying to you that says, this is what you've got to do, this is what life's all about, and then it ends up being empty. You know that expression, over-promise and under-deliver? That's what we hear in every single day. Let's bring that out and expose it to the light. And I definitely want to hear from people that are age 20 and under. If I don't, I'll start picking on you. Okay, we start with someone 20 or under. Fantastic. This is great. A dolphin. Yeah. What do you think? Okay, you've got to hold the microphone up to your mouth. Yep. Um, it's everywhere that I go saying believe in yourself. Ah. If you find the way no one else will. Believe in yourself. They're the empty words that you hear. Believe in yourself. So you don't need anybody else. You don't need saving. You don't need to go to Jesus. You don't have any problems. Believe in yourself. It's all in you. And guess what? It all comes crashing down when we recognize we don't have it all. We can't save ourselves. We have a problem with guilt and we can't fix the guilt. We need a savior. We can't just believe in ourselves. We need to believe in him. I like it. Thank you. Oh, another young person. Um, on the radio, they're giving away money and everything, and that's all you need. You don't need anything else but money and stuff. Aha, uh-huh. this is a big one. And this is sometimes that blatantly obvious about, here's the money, this is what you need. It's like the gold lotto pictures. You know, they're all so happy once they've won the money. The money will give it to you. As if we've got to work hard, it's all about money. We've got to get an education because it's all about money. Money, 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 money. It's a trap. God tells us that very clearly in his word, but thank you. Money is a trap. We're being deceived by these empty words that say, all you've got to do is accumulate a whole heap of money. So we've got to ask ourselves, am I falling into that trap? Am I being deceived by the money, money, money idea? We don't like to think that we are, but we need to stop and ask ourselves, what am I thinking about? What am I spending my time on? What am I talking about? Is it about money, money, money all the time? Is that what all of a sudden becomes a priority in my life? Mark. Um, well, that's really loud. Sorry. Um, <laughs> right. Talks about your feelings, that um, you've got to listen to your feelings, such as like Toyota, oh, what a feeling. Ah. Buy a car and you'll feel good. That's all that matters, your feelings. And it's not letting you think about what God's wanting you to do, which is think with your head and God directs your path. And so. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so there was a lot in what you said then. So it's feeling, you know, feeling is what's really important. If it feels good, do it. Oh, what a feeling. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for the feelings. And the other thing that you said, which I think is really important, is focus on your feelings. Don't switch your brain on to think about things. Just go with the feelings. Don't think about this too much. Don't think whether these are empty words. Don't think whether this is in accordance with God's word. Don't even think. Just feel and run with your feelings. Run with what the flesh wants. Thank you. But it becomes empty. 
It doesn't last. The Toyota breaks down. We're left with emptiness. What else? Matthew? You deserve to have it now. Why wait? Oh, now this is a good one. This is the thing. This really appeals to our flesh. We've worked so hard. We deserve it. We deserve to have that holiday. We deserve to have that fifth car in the garage. We deserve it. We absolutely deserve it. And would I think about maybe helping somebody else with that extra cash? I've got, oh, look, I deserve more. I I don't need to give away that money and help somebody that maybe can't even afford to feed themselves. I think I might go and buy myself something because I deserve it. It works, doesn't it? It works. We listen to this rubbish about we deserve more and more and more and more, but it's just greed. Thank you. Is there anybody else that wants to contribute? Otherwise, I am going to wrap it up. Oh, one more. Okay, thank you, Patty, and then we'll finish. Oh, one more. Okay, and then we'll take you, Jackie. Fashion, if you dress that way, then you'll be accepted. Uh Aha. So if you buy the latest fashion, if you look really good, then that's life. That's living life to the full. That's what it's all about. You'll feel good because you'll look good, and that's what really matters. Thank you. It's a deception. It's a ploy to get us to think about the outside rather than the inside. Okay, Jackie, love to hear from you. Um, okay, got to put the microphone up. What yep. I hear all the time is YOLO, you only live once, so enjoy yourself. Oh, hold on, this is something new. <laughs> okay, so how does it sound, YOLO? YOLO. Yeah, YOLO. YOLO. Yeah. Really? Wow, have I been living under a mat somewhere? YOLO. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I don't know the one. And no, 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 come back again. Tell it to me again. And what does it mean? It stands for you only live once. Ah, okay, you only live once. Okay, cool. So this idea that you only live once is really important because it's inferring that our days in our life stop. It's like you only live once. Live it up, eat, drink, and be merry. Come on. You only get one shot at life, and then, you know, you die, and that's it. There's something sinister behind that. Do we understand the lie and the deception behind this idea? You only live once. Your life is only what you have on this earth. There's nothing else. It's finished. It's over. There's no resurrection. There's no eternal life. Just live for yourself today. We have to be so careful that we don't get drawn into this idea because it's what we're going to look at next. Thank you, Jackie. It's this whole idea that if there is no resurrection, if we just say that's just a boring story that I've heard so many times in church, but, you know, it doesn't mean anything to me. If there is no resurrection, that all that matters is our time on this earth. May as well eat, drink and be merry. Paul says the very same thing in the Bible. He says, may as well eat, drink and be merry if there's no resurrection. So if there's no life other than this life on earth, may as well live it up. But that's the problem. It's a lie. We're being conned. It's a deception. There is more to life than life on this earth, whether you recognize it or not. Okay. 
oh, look, this happens every single time we do. I, I know it happens every single time we get warmed up and then it wants to happen. This is the very, very last. You're the end point, Alexander. Yeah, people, they're happy to go to the party, but when it comes to save God, they're unhappy. Aha! Did everyone hear this? So people want to go to the party. Whoa! But when it comes to serving God, oh, well, that doesn't sound like that much fun. Oh, it'd be much more fun to go to the party than serve God. Ooh, that sounds like it might cost me something, serving God. Is that your point? It would feel good to go to the party, serving God. Ooh, that sounds like hard work. That sounds like my flesh wouldn't like that. Thank you. It's so important that we recognize this meaningless, meaningless life that Solomon talks about in Ecclesiastes. It's no different today, 3,000 years on. If we're going over pleasure, if we're going after materialism, if we're going after the Toyota, if we're going after the money, if we're going after the party, we end up listening to empty words, we end up walking this empty life and we ourselves become empty because we filled our life with things that we're not meant to fill it with. And if we fill it with all of that, that means there's no room for the word of God in our life. There's no room in our life to be interceding for others in this life. There's no room in our life to be witnessing to others. There's no room in our life to be Jesus. That's the worthy life he's looking for. He says in Jeremiah, he says, um, he says speak worthy, utter worthy words, not worthless words. Utter worthy words, not worthless words, and you will be my spokesperson or spokesman. That's what it says in the Bible, utter worthy words. If we're taking in empty words, we don't have any worthy words to say. We've got to take in worthy words from the word of God so that we can utter the worthy words and be a spokesman for God. We're not going to be a spokesman for God without the worthy words. You see, in our day-to-day life, when it gets tough, when it feels difficult, it may feel like a Friday, but you know, Sunday has already come. Jesus was crucified on the Friday. He rose again on the Sunday. But today where we stand, if it feels like a Friday in your life, remember, it's feeling difficult. But you know what? I have life because Jesus has already been risen. I have life in him today. Right now, because of the resurrection, I have his spirit with me to guide me, to direct me, to comfort me, to show me, to deliver me. Paul says, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. This is exactly what you are saying. Exactly what you're saying, Jackie. If there's no resurrection, this makes total sense. But there is a resurrection. If Christ is not written, risen, he says again, he says, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, Christianity is empty without the risen Jesus, but he has risen again. Think about Easter Sunday and the empty words that hit us on Easter Sunday of all days, the day that we can celebrate the most fantastic event in Christian history. Jesus rose again. 
What happens on Easter Sunday? Let me show you. and everything and Cadbury what's their slogan Cadbury Cadbury can you get involved with no it's mine I'm greedy what's the Cadbury thing glass and a half in it but isn't there a happiness thing thank you Joyville oh happiness this is all I need oh oh, oh, oh. Easter Sunday chocolate fantastic I've been hanging out for one of these in fact you know when I was this is quite true actually when I was growing up my mum used to give us candy you know those um do they still have them oh, those candy ones and I remember seeing it going oh, thanks mum you know and those pink and yellow and oh I so wanted one of these growing up I really did this is I didn't know I was going to say that today, but I really did. Just, it's just brought it back to me. It's like, yeah, actually, I think I coveted this when I was younger. Okay, so finally the day comes. Easter Sunday comes. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to open this up. Actually, can you believe this is James's Easter egg from Easter? He still has it sitting on the kitchen bench. It was like I saw it and went, oh, I could use that today. So here we are, James. You just waited too long. So I get this Easter egg and I just go, oh, I've been waiting so long. And then after a while, I can't get the thing. I don't care anymore. Oh, this is so good. I can't believe it. Oh, yes. And oh, it's empty. You know, we wait all this time for something that someone else has. No. (laughs) And it's empty. It's hollow. You know, the promises of the world are hollow. This is all the world can offer us, is a hollow chocolate Easter bunny on Easter Sunday. That's it. It's not even a, like, complete chocolate bunny. You see, we're deceived if we think that the world has the answers That all these things that appeal to our flesh, oh, it would be so sweet to eat that chocolate. It would be so sweet to just have a little bit more money in the bank. It would be just so sweet to have those clothes that are going to make me look good and then the boys will notice me and then I'll have a boyfriend and then the boyfriend will just be so sweet. We just get led along, get deceived with all these empty words and all these empty pursuits and before we know it, We're walking empty, we're feeling empty, and we become empty. We're not meant to be empty. We're meant to be full of the Spirit. And the Spirit comes because Jesus rose again. We have the Holy Spirit. He came back and said, it's yours. Do you remember when he came back and the disciples are all in the room, locked away, with all the doors locked, because they're scared they're going to get persecuted by the Jews. I mean, could you imagine? Jesus is gone. You think, oh, this is him? The one that's been predicted to come, he's dead. They lock themselves away, they're scared. And remember what Jesus did? He walks in and he says, peace be with you, or something like that. Peace be with you. We're meant to have peace. We have peace when Jesus lives on the inside of us. Peace. And then he breathes on them. Gives them the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful gift. Because he rose again. He is alive today. His words come through this soft, 
quiet voice. Advertising is loud. Billboards are loud. Internet is loud. His voice is a quiet, gentle voice. But his words are full. His words are true. You can trust Jesus' words. He said he would die and rise again. He did. No one else can claim that. No one else lived again. Every other religion, they will die. You look at every other religion. Christianity is the only religion where he's alive today. And he's alive in you and he's alive in me. His voice needs to be the loud voice. They're the words of life. They are, live, they are words that are full. You see, we're buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Jesus said the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He's come to deceive us. I have come that I have life and have it to the full. He says the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Those yearnings for pleasure and sweetness It counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. Jeremiah said, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. When God's word comes to us, we need to eat them, ingest them. You see, if you hang on to God's word, I've got a really nice Bible and it's got a really nice cover and I'll just put it on the shelf there. The devil can just come along and snatch that away. Gone. The words of life that you need to walk, a work, walk worthy and have a worthy life, to have worthy words to utter and be God's spokesman are gone. If we're just going to leave them on the shelf, we're going to pick up God's word, ingest it like you pick up something to eat. If I gave you a piece of bread and you ingested it and then I said, actually, I want it back, you can't give it back. If we are given the word of God and ingest it, no one can snatch that off you. There's no nasty spirit that can come and snatch it away from you. What are we doing with God's word? Are we ingesting and eating God's word? Is it a light to your path? Is it a lamp to your feet? Or are you grabbing for a torch from the world that says, here, take a torch. You can do it yourself. Believe in yourself. You just need a torch. We have the light of the world. But it's empty words if we don't eat his words. We've got to stop walking empty under the sun. Solomon said, a man has nothing better under the sun than to eat, drink, and be merry. We've got to walk full in the sun. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. I can't speak to you from psalms if I haven't read psalms. I've got to have the Word in my life every day so I can be full for me. I can be full for my family. I can be full for this body of people that God says is his people. He says, be full for one another, speak the word to one another, encourage one another, build each other up, fill each other up with the word of God. The words from the world will not fill you up. The words from the world are saying, pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. They said in the last days in Timothy, 
will be lovers of pleasure. Denying the power that we have. Don't be a form of godliness. We don't want to deny the power of the living God because of that beautiful story of Jesus dying on the cross and rising again on Sunday. When it feels like Friday, remember Sunday has already come. You have everything you need for life and godliness. God lives inside of you. He talks to you every single day. He speaks to us. He loves us with an amazing love that we cannot comprehend. He keeps pouring it into us till our cup runneth over. Oh, may our lives just be a cup that runneth over every day, that's full of his word and full of his life and full of his spirit. Let's say yes to God's word and no to the deceptive empty words that are bombarding us in this world. They just want to trick you. They just want to con you. They just want to take you down a path which leads to death. Jesus says, I am life. I want you to have life. You can have life. You are full of life. Recognize me. Speak to me. Talk to me. I'm talking to you every day. Let's stand. Let's praise the mighty one that said, I will come and die on a cross for you. I will wipe out your sin. I will fill you. I will send to you the spirit who will give you all comfort and all life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are just in awe of you. We are just so thankful, Lord Jesus, that you came to die for us. We don't deserve it, Lord Jesus. The world says you deserve it. You deserve it. Just get everything you can, be self-focused. But Lord Jesus, we didn't deserve it and you still gave it to us, Lord. Lord, thank you for coming and dying on the cross. Thank you then when we least deserved it. You came and died for us. That's how much you love us. And Lord Jesus, we can trust you because you do what you say. You are a man of integrity. You are a God of integrity. You are man, you are God. And we believe you, Lord Jesus. We believe you and we have faith in what you did for us, Lord Jesus. Thank you for rising again. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for rolling back that stone, Lord Jesus, and showing us that you are alive, that our life doesn't end on this earth. We don't have to eat, drink and be merry because our life ends here, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. May me not forget the gift of eternal life, Lord Jesus. Help us to remember you, Lord Jesus, when we feel like we're going to be deceived. Help us, Lord Jesus. Turn us away from the wrong, empty words, Lord Jesus. Help us come to your word. Help us to ingest your word. Swallow your word. Understand your word. Give us understanding, Lord Jesus. We want to be good soil. We want to produce fruit for you, Lord Jesus. Help us today, I pray. In your holy, holy name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.